Hey, thanks for tuning in to Hillside Juniata Sermons Podcast, where our goal is to make committed followers of Jesus. We want to encourage you that if you're not already connected to a local church, that you'll find a place where you can connect, grow, serve, and go. But wherever you are today, we hope and pray that God will use this sermon for His glory and our greatest good. Thanks again for tuning in. It'll be in Psalm 90 this morning. If you want to use one of the Bibles in front of you, it would be page 537. Page 537. After, after a year of semi-retirement, uh, I just accepted a, a job as an interim pastor at a church out in Vicksburg, Vicksburg Grace Brethren Church. Uh, we start that uh, next Sunday, trying to help them uh, as they transition and look for a new pastor. This is a second in a series called Guardrails, the whole idea of Guardrails are there to protect us and direct us. The memory verse for this series is Proverbs chapter 4. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Today we want to look at it's about time. So I want to talk a little bit about my grandsons. I have two grandsons live in Virginia. We went down to visit them a few weeks ago. Their other grandparents... We're moving out of a large house, downsizing to a small house. So they're helping them put stuff in the storage and clear out things. And over the years, they had collected pennies in bottles. One of those big water bottles, the great big ones, was half full. They had another bottle, very big, full, and another bottle, partially full. And so they gave them to our grandsons, who are 12 and 11, and said they could take them to Walmart, had them counted, and have the money. So we're in their Florida room. It's a cement floor. We get all the pennies out of the big bottle into the plastic bucket. My grandson picks up the other one. It's too heavy for him. He drops it and breaks it. So there's glass all through those pennies. We finally get all the pennies into the thing. Their dad takes them to Walmart that night. They put them through the machine there. turns out they had $162.50 worth of pennies that they had collected over the years. When their grandparents found out how much it was, then they rescinded a little bit on their offer to give them all the money. Which leads me to this. Let's pretend for a minute that your banker calls you and he says, somebody who loves you very much has agreed to deposit 86,400 pennies into your bank account every single day starting the following week on a Monday. 86,400 pennies ends up being $864 a day, which is almost $6,000 a year, almost $315,000 a a year. But there's one stipulation. You have to spend it all the day you get it. Anything you don't spend, you lose. It doesn't carry over to the next day. So if you only spend 500, you don't get that best of the money the next day. You figure it out. That's a lot of money. That's pretty good. You start figuring out how you're going to use it. Now, let's stop pretending and get serious. Someone who loves you very much does deposit 86,400 seconds into your time bank every single day. That comes out to 1,440 minutes, obviously 24 hours every single day. But it's the same stipulation. Whatever you don't use that day, you can't carry to the next day. It's gone. Time. You can spend it any way you want, but you can only spend it once. 
Times really integrated into our speech so often, isn't it? Some of you sitting here this morning saying, I wonder how much time this guy is going to preach. Uh, some of you are going to say, what time is lunch today? I promise I will not speak longer. I'll be done at times that you'll get to watch the Steelers, who play tomorrow night. Uh, <laughs> time. Whenever I say to my wife, we're going to go somewhere, she always says, well, what time are we going to go? Because she knows me, I'm kind of rushing things. Some people say, I don't have time. How much time will it take? If I only had more time. You know, when you stop to think about it, how do you even define time? Someone said it's a duration in which things happen. Truth is, it's kind of get a grip on, on it. Moses is going to talk about time in Psalm 90. We're going to look at just the first 12 verses. But I want to give you a little background because you really can't understand Psalm 90 if you don't understand Moses' circumstance. If you recall, when Moses was born, he was a precious child. And the Israelites had grown so much in Egypt that Pharaoh said, every male born, kill him. Keep the baby girls, but kill the boys. So his parents, when he was born, he was a fair baby, so they hid him, put him in a basket, put him on the Nile River. Pharaoh's daughter comes down to the river and sees the baby, and she has pity for him, and she takes him in, and you know the story. So he's in Egypt for 40 years, and Pharaoh's, he goes out one day, and he sees an Egyptian beating a Jewish person. He intervenes and kills the Egyptian, buries him in the sand. The next day, he goes out, two Jewish people are fighting. He says, what are you guys doing? They said, what, are you going to kill me like you killed the, you know, he said, uh-oh, people know I killed an Egyptian. So he fled to the land of Midian, where he met his wife. He lived there in Midian for 40 years. And then one day he goes out and he sees a burning bush. He says, what's going on here? And God says to him, I want you to go down to Egypt and get my people and bring them out. And so he does that. When he brings them out, it takes many miracles before they get out of Egypt. They cross the Red Sea and the people are amazed. Then finally they go, to go into the promised land. They send 12 spies in. They come back and say the land is awesome. It's full of fruit. And they brought back some of the fruit. It was huge. But they said there's a problem. There are giants in the land, and we can't go in there and take them. Two of the spies said, wait a second, God brought us through the Red Sea. Did all the, he can give us the land. They said, no, there are giants there. In fact, they said, we looked like, remember what they said they looked like in the giant's eyes? Grasshoppers. They said, we look like grasshoppers to them. I think, Come on. And so they begin to moan and complain. They said, we're going to stone Moses and Aaron and go back to Egypt. And God says to Moses, I'm going to kill them all and start a new nation with you. And Moses begs God, please don't do that. So God says, I'll forgive them. But for every one of those people over 20 years old who grumbled and complained, they will all die in the desert. So the last 40 years of Moses' life, when he writes Psalm 90, he's in the desert and thousands of people are dying every year. First Corinthians says, as an example, don't do what the Israelites did their bodies were strewn across the desert. What Moses do in those 40 years? Funeral after funeral after funeral after dead, dead people everywhere. And that's when he writes Psalm 90 in that context. Here's the main point for today. I put it on a magnet, put some magnets there in the entranceway and out the back way. I did that for years, so I couldn't help myself. I put it on a magnet. What I try to do with every message is boil it down to one main, practical, sticky point, and then give you some application on how to apply that in your life. 
And here's the sticky point. Your days are numbered, so number your days. Your days are numbered, so number your days. Nobody knows how many days they have left. But God. First four verses, we're going to look at God's relationship to time. Psalm 90, Moses says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. When he says our dwelling place, he's talking about the nation of Israel. God called Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, made a promise to Abraham, I'm going to bless you, bless the nation. I'm going to give you this, this specific land. Moses said, God, you've been our dwelling place in all the generations. Before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God, God's not controlled by time. It's hard to wrap your mind around the fact that God is absolutely e- eternal. But the truth is, when you accept Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, you get eternal life. Moses said, God, you've been our dwelling place forever, from everlasting to everlasting. And then he says this in verse 3, you turn man back into dust and say, return, O children of men. When Adam and Eve sinned in Genesis chapter 3, if you recall, he says to Adam, you're going to return back to the dust that you came from originally. Truth is, every one of us will eventually return back to dust unless Jesus Christ comes back and takes us away before that time. Most of us, especially when you're younger, don't even think about that concept. But we get reminders of death on a regular basis. Back in 1974, Ernest Becker wrote the book, The Denial of Death, his argument was that people try to deny or not think about the most irrefutable fact of life. Eventually, your days will run out. When I was in school, I thought, in high school, I thought it would never end. Then I got out of high school, went to college, and got married, and time began to pick up and go faster and faster and faster. On August 29th, I looked at the altitude in the mirror to see what the obituaries were. There were 15 Obituaries that day. Do you know the average length of life in America is 80 years? As I pray through Operation World, today I was praying for the Philippines. The average lifespan in the Philippines is 72 years. In countries in Africa, the lifespan is sometimes only 48 years because of AIDS and and health issues. But America is about 80 years. He's going to say that later on. That day, there were 15 obituaries. Here, here's with the ages, 79, 97, 61, 94, 37, 80, 83, 91, 85, 47, 93, 67, 90, 57, and 90. Average, 76 for that one day. He says, you return men back to dust. Eventually, we'll all die. Even who was that wise person that said this? Death is a part of life. It's something we're all destined to do. Anyone remember who said that wise person? It was Forrest Gump. Come on, Forrest Gump. (laughs) Then he says in verse 4, For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it passes away, or like a watch in the night. As far as God's concerned, a thousand years to God is nothing. A watch in the night. There were three watches each night from sunset 10 o'clock, from 10 o'clock to 2 o'clock, from 2 o'clock to sunrise. Four hours each. A thousand years is like four hours to God. God's relationship to time. 
Again, none of us know. Joey and I went to British Columbia as missionaries in 1977. We left Altoona and a couple weeks before Christmas and the Dodge pickup truck with all our stuff stuffed in. We were only in British Columbia four months when I got a call that my brother Mark, who was four years younger than me, 23 years old, died. He had no idea he was going to die at 23. We had no idea he'd die at 23. Nobody is guaranteed. God's the one who returns us back to dust in his time. Man's relationship at the time is found in verses 5 to 11. Here's what he says. You have swept them away like a flood. He uses a number of analogies. In the desert, when rain came, the soil was such that it washes away everything. Joey and I walk. We're temporarily homeless. So we're living with my mother-in-law. We have a, we have a house placed in Bellwood on a lot beside our son, but it's taken a long time for them to get it done. So for three months, pray for me. I've been living with my mother-in-law <laughs> for three months now. But we walked through Fairview, a lot of hills up there. And when those heavy rains came, rains came people's driveways, all the gravel washed out very quickly. He says that's how he compares life. They swept them away like a flood. They fall asleep is another way he describes death. New Testament talks about death as if we're asleep. When you go to sleep at night, you wake up eight hours later. Seems like hardly any time at all. It says, in the morning, they were like grass which sprouts anew. In the morning, it flourishes and sprouts anew. Toward evening, it fades and withers away. So he compares it to grass that comes up in the morning and then dies in the evening. He goes on to say in verse 7, For we have been consumed by your anger and by your wrath we have been dismayed. The reason why the children of Israel all died in the desert, because they disobeyed God, they grumbled, and they complained. And he says we need to have a proper understanding of the fear of God. Proverbs says, Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 says, The beginning of wisdom is to fear God. I think we've lost that. We're not saying this kind of fear, but you've got to realize you serve a holy God. When the children of Israel got the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, there was earthquake, there was lightning, there was thunder. The people pulled back and they said, please, please, Moses, don't expose us to this. And he said, God did this so that you would learn to fear him, and that fear would what? Keep you from sinning. We need a proper fear of God. That's why these people died in the wilderness. Verse 8 says, You place our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days have declined in your fury. We have finished our years like a sigh. Verse 10, As for the days of our life, they contain 70 years, or if due to strength, 80 years. Yet their pride or their span is but labor and sorrow. For soon it is gone and we fly away. Who understands the power of your anger and your fury according to the fear that is due you? This will test your age. But who remembers Jim Croce? Okay, I thought a few of you older people would. Not that you're old. Sorry, Paul. He wrote a song called Time in a Bottle, 1970, when his wife told him she was pregnant. He published it two years later. Became a hit in 1973. 
The verse said this. If I could put time in a bottle, the first thing that I'd like to do is to save every day till eternity passes away just to spend them with you. The Course said this. There never seems to be enough time to do the things you want to do once you find them. Time. We all have the same amount of time. We get our 86,400 seconds every day. His song came out in 72. It was a hit in 73. In 1973, he died in a plane crash. He didn't realize how much time he had either because we never know for sure. None of it's guaranteed. You can't put time in a bottle. You can put pennies in a bottle, but you can't put time in a bottle. James says you are just like a vapor that appears for a short while and then vanishes away. We, when we were missionaries in British Columbia, our first assignment was at the Native Bible Center. We were training Native pastors. We had an A-frame building made out of logs on the property. It was a 165-acre ranch. It was 35 miles from town. In the morning, the mist would come out over the, the, the fields by the A-frame. But by the afternoon, that was all. James says your life is like a vapor. It appears for a short period of time, and then it passes away. For me, the last 30 years... Seem like a blur. They go by quickly. Moses then makes his request in verse 12. This is what we really want to emphasize. Moses says in verse 12, so teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. His request is teach us to number our days, to use our days, and the end result of that is that we may gain a heart of wisdom. This series are emphasizing this simple question. I say this to my grandsons all the time. Before you decide to do something, you need to ask yourself this question. What is the wise thing to do? And what is the wise way to use the rest of the time you have in this life? Since none of us are guaranteed. Wise and productive time management. Your days are numbered, so number your days. Chuck Colson was visiting in a prison in Mississippi. He was in death row. You notice as he walked down, all these men wrapped up in blankets, staring at little black and white televisions, just killing time. At the end, he came to a man who was reading. He said, what's going on here? He said, I'm studying for the ministry. And he felt bad for him because all he had was a few books in there. So he said to him, would you like it if I could get you a television? And this man in death row had been there for 15 years, said, you know what? Appreciate the offer, but you know what? You can waste a lot of time with the television. You know, a lot of times it's not the fact that we don't have enough time. Sometimes we just don't use our time wisely. There's another issue that sometimes happens Genesis 18, Moses' father-in-law came to visit with him in the desert. When he saw him there, Moses got up in the morning and he started to judge the people from sunrise to sunset. He handled every case. And his father-in-law said, wait a second, you're going to burn yourself out here. Here's what you need to do. Find some other people and delegate some of those responsibilities. And so that's what he did. And sometimes the reason why we don't have enough time for the things that are most important is because we are simply overloaded with information or work or activities 
that aren't really that important. So, what do you do? You need to use your time for that which outlasts time. Use the remaining time you have for things that actually outlast time. What are you talking about? Well, I heard a sermon one time of a pastor who was trying to speak about eternal things and temporal things. And he had different tags. He had blue tags for things that were temporal and red tag for that which was eternal. And he was in the church service, so he took a, one of those temporal tags and he put it on the guitar. He put it on the pew. put it on all those things that are temporal, even the building. Then he took one permanent eternal tag, walked down off the stage, and put it on the arm of a four-year-old girl. He said, you know what's eternal? People are eternal. All this other stuff, not so. He said, use your time for things that outlast time. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said, listen, there's two kinds of treasures, aren't there? There's temporary treasures and there's eternal treasures. My mother-in-law's car, we took it in for inspection a few weeks ago. Went back to get it. Mechanic said, didn't pass inspection. There's so much rust underneath the back frame that's done for you, you need to take it to the junkyard. So we took it to the junkyard in Tyrone. You know what they have there? Acres of cars. At one time, somebody's treasure that are all temporal. Jesus said there's temporal things and there are eternal things. There's a verse in Ephesians that, that I just love. It says this, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Making the most of every opportunity in the Greek is literally redeeming the time because you only have so much time. Now, a lot of people have regrets about things that they did in the past. But what people really have regrets about are things that they didn't do. And since we only have so much time, and we're still all here, let me get specific. Number one, here are some ways you can use your time which outlast time. Number one, deepen your relationship with God. Deepen your relationship with your Heavenly Father. When are you going to spend turning with him. You're going to stand before him. How well do you really know him? How much time do you spend on the word of God versus how much time do you spend on the television or on your phone? Deepen your relationship with your heavenly father. Study the word. Spend time in prayer. Not only that, practice God's presence. He's with you constantly. The thing most repeated in the Bible is I will be with you. You're never in any situation or circumstance he's not with you. I grew up here in Juniata. I remember one day over here near McKinley School. My dad stopped the car, opened the door, and let my brother's unseen friend into the car. I'm thinking, what is going on here? My brother had an imaginary friend. And the truth is, God is with you all the time. I, when I wake up in the morning, I start my day with the Lord. I go to bed and I, start, I finish my day with him. I spend time on the Word every day. How well do you know your Heavenly Father? What's your relationship like with Him? That's one way to spend time that outlasts time. Secondly, share your faith. 
We talk about frangelism here at Hillside Community Church. That's friends, relatives, associates, and neighbors. In the New Testament, the way the gospel spread was through our friend networks. Every one of you, and myself included, have friends, relatives, associates, and neighbors who don't know Jesus. And if they die that way, they will be separated from him for eternity. And even as I look at some of you here now, I still pray for your friends that you listed as your friends in your prayer list. As a parent, the most important thing in your life is to make sure you get faith passed on to your kids. And then as a grandparent, you realize one of the most important things in your life is to make sure you get that genuine faith passed upon to your grandchildren. And thirdly, make the Great Commission a priority. Make the Great Commission a priority. What is that? Jesus said, go in all the world, make disciples. That's what he left with his disciples. That's the number one reason why churches exist, to help make as many people as possible commit to followers of Christ. And you can have an impact, not just in your friend network, but in the world, by praying for people groups around the world. So I put a little card on the table along with a magnet that lists uh, Operation World will send you each day a specific people group to pray for that day. Me being old, I still use the book. But you can get that sent to your phone each and every day. Today I pray for the Philippines. Every year I get to pray for every unreached people group in the world. And you can make a difference too. And maybe that means you'll go on a missions trip. We got guys coming back from Tunisia today, two pastors and two folks who went to Tunisia on a missions trip. Over the years, we've taken over 60 people to Honduras on mission trips, impacting lives. Doing a shoebox can make a difference for eternity because in every single shoebox, there's a gospel tract in Spanish for that child to read and for that child's parents to read. When it comes to doing, spending time on things that outlast time, make the Great Commission a priority. 86,400 seconds every day. Now, a number of years ago, I read a book called Time with God by Dr. Leslie Weatherhead. And what he did was he took a human lifespan and compared it to a day from 6 a.m. to midnight. Only he based it on a 70-year age. So I adjusted it to 80 years. And here's what happens. If you adjust a lifespan from 6 a.m. to midnight, if you're 10 years old, it's 8.15 in the morning. If you're 20 years old, it's 10.30 in the morning. If you're 30 years old, it's 12.45 in the morning. If you're 40 years old, it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. If you're 50, it's 5.15. If you're 60, it's 7.30. If you're 70, it's 9.45. Now, you may live longer than 80, but based on the 80-year span, if you're my age, it's 10.25. Sort of sobering, isn't it, to realize where you fit in that? Some of you sitting here saying, man, young, I got all this time before me. You may be young, but you're not guaranteed that 80, and you want to use, start using time wisely. Ecclesiastes, at the end of Ecclesiastes, he says, don't waste away your youthful years. Commit yourself to God early on. You'll never regret that. I also decided to figure out, you know, 80 years, how many days you have? 29,220 days. So, and you figure that out and you go back and compare that to how old you are. If you're 40 years old, you got 14,610 days left. When he says, teach us to number our days, not years or weeks, teach us to number our days. 
Your days are numbered, so number your days. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for Moses. Thank you for this psalm. Lord, all of us uh, regret wasting time. So we pray for your wisdom in order to number our days and use them wisely. We pray you'd bless this church, bless everyone in this room, help them be effective for you and to use your time wisely. And I pray that in Jesus' name, amen.